It was sad on Friday to learn of the death of Queen Elizabeth. And I just want to take a moment just to pay tribute to her and to pray for her family. Um, I read this quote uh, during the week and it really touched me. And uh, Mia's going to put it online for us. She's one of the helpers out the back, so thank you, Mia. When the Queen was talking to her chaplain, uh, she's quoted as saying, How I wish that my Lord would come in my lifetime. Why, asked the chaplain. The Queen replied with quivering lips and a whole countenance lighted by deep emotion. I should so love to lay my crown at his feet. Father, we thank you for Queen Elizabeth, Lord. We thank you that she's done that over her 70 years, Lord. She has laid her crown at your feet. She has sought you for wisdom and godly counsel in the midst of world wars, in the midst of famines, in the midst of so many calamities that she has faced. And we thank you, Lord, that her faith has stood the test of time and her life has honoured and glorified you. Lord, I pray for the rest of the royal family. Uh, Lord, I pray that they would come to know that kind of faith, that kind of redemptive faith, that kind of Holy Spirit working in their lives. Lord, as they pick up the mantle, and Lord, as they continue with their responsibilities, we pray for the blessing on, on the royal family this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Awesome. Thank you so much. Today we're going to continue our series, Back to the Future, where we're really kind of looking back at what are some of the Old Testament principles, or not so much the Old Testament principles, that's Old Covenant, isn't it? We're stepping into the New Covenant. What are some of the principles of the early church that we need to rediscover to take us into the future, to be the church that God wants us to be. And I really believe that we're living in times. Um, Shane Willard spoke about, you know, as we come out of a, 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 a pandemic, uh, this is the time when God can move by his spirit amongst us. And you look back through world history, and uh, he's done that. And you see, after major pandemics, that's often when there's been a move of God. So we need to position ourselves for God, what God's wanting to do, not only here in the Waikato, but, Lord, in the nation and in the nations of the world. So we're going to have um, a look at Abraham and Sarah's life from the book of Hebrews uh, to inspire us on that journey. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 3, we read, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for and evidence of things that we cannot see. Through their faith, the people of old earned a good reputation. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. I want to tell you a little bit of a story that I read in Stuff recently. Well, actually, um, my wife Gillian read in Stuff because when I read Stuff, I just read the, the headings. Can you guys relate to this? So she goes for the details and I'm just counting if there's anything interesting that she'll tell me and then I'll go back and read it. So this was one of those times. Like, you know, when it comes to unpacking things, I'll just try and make it work. Gillian, will you read the instructions and help me to get this thing to work? I hope I haven't broken it. So uh, online, I'm sure you'll identify with, with that. So, um, and it was, it was talking about uh, Lake Kaituna, which is one of the peat lakes. There are many of them around the Waikato. And what was happening was that these kahikatea, these white pine seeds, were starting to germinate. They had been preserved in the peat for 2,000 years since the Taupo eruption. So they had been there for a long time. But now they were starting to germinate. And the reason for that was that um, Jenny and Andrew Hayes, who farmed that lands, had removed all the willow trees. I didn't know, but willow leaves are toxic to the germination of seeds. 
So they had removed all of those willow leaves and created a microclimate whereby these kahikatea seeds, white pine, could germinate. And I felt as I read that, that's a bit of a prophetic picture about what God is wanting to do in the time in which we live. I believe the seeds of faith in your life and my life. And Holy Spirit is wanting to water those and to cause those to germinate and grow in this next season that God has before us. And I believe more than ever before, we need to capture what it is to be women and men who live in that realm of faith. And so we're going to be inspired by Abraham and Sarah's story this morning. In many ways, as we go through this, I came to an appreciation. I think Sarah is a bit of a, the unsung hero in this story. We'll get to it in a moment or two, but if you know a little bit about the story, you'll know that, um, that Sarah, uh, first and foremost, you know, struggled to be able to conceive Isaac, but her husband, Abraham, he passed her off as a sister before the king of Pharaoh in Genesis chapter 12. Not a good thing to do, guys. But not only that, in Genesis chapter 20, he does the same again with King Abimelech. It's like, come on, once but twice. You know, how does that work? And so we'll see some of the, the lessons here that we can learn through this story. Sometimes people say to me, well, Michael, you know, faith is a step in the dark. But I'd like to say to you this morning um, that faith is actually a step in the light because we're trusting in the character and the nature of God. Even when things are uncertain, we're still trusting in God's character and God's nature. Imagine if I had Jay here. That would be good. And imagine if I was just to fall into his arms. Do you think he'd catch me? Would you like to see that? Would you like to see that online? Okay, come on, Jay, we'll do it. This is, I, I just hope that, you know, he's up for the task. Had a good hearty breakfast this morning. But this is just a, a bit of an illustration. You know, sometimes it's been like that. When we take a step of faith, I'm not, step, I'm not leaning back into the unknown because Jay's a man of integrity, uprightness. He values his elders. He knows that I've got a long memory. And so for all of those reasons, I'm just believing that as I just look back, he's going to catch me. Did he do a good job? Thank you, Jay. We'll pray for you back later that it'll be healed in the name of Jesus. So as we're thinking about faith this morning, think about faith, even though it's a step into the unknown, it's a step in the light, trusting the character and nature of God, and see how that principle is reflected in Abraham and Sarah's story. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 10, we see something of Abraham's obedience. We read, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when he called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. He was a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And I think the first principle we learn here is that faith is activated by obedience. Your faith and my faith is activated by obedience. It doesn't actually matter how big or how small it is. It's just, are we being obedient to what God's asking us to do in this season? And as we step out and we're obedient in that area, then faith is activated in our lives. And I've found, you know, when you're obedient in the little things, then it's easier to hear God in the other things in your life where God is wanting you to take a step of faith. 
You know, the promise was a seed that had been sown in Abraham's life, but that seed of faith germinated as he put action to that faith and took a step of obedience, saying yes to Jesus. So ask the Holy Spirit this morning, what is the small area or the big area where Holy Spirit is just wanting you to say yes to Jesus, to take a step of obedience and believe that that's going to unlock a dimension of faith in your life through your obedience? We see in this story um, Sarah's amazing faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 to 12. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. You see, faith gives birth. This is the second thought this morning. Faith gives birth to new life in an atmosphere of trust. Imagine what it was like for Sarah, 90 years old. The biological clock was ticking. In the 9 a.m. gathering, some of the women in our midst said the biological clock had finished. (laughs) Biological clock was ticking, and yet she had this promise that God had said her descendants would be as numerous as the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. How was that ever going to be a reality? And yet she chose to trust God in the midst of that. When Isaac was born, she, the name Isaac that she, she named him means laughter. And I can just imagine Sarah, can't you, that she's nursing Isaac there and, um, and she's saying his name and she's saying to herself, well, God, you certainly had the last laugh here. And I just felt as I was preparing this message that there are some situations where you and I are facing that we need to trust. And it's like they're so ridiculous that we need to have kind of a laugh of faith. Can you imagine, Sarah, (laughs) look, God, I'm 90 years old. And you you see Abraham over there, he's in worse shape than I am. So how are we ever going to conceive, you know, a generation? And not only that, but from Isaac and the generations that follow would come Jesus the salvation of all humanity. There are big stakes here in play, but she chose to trust God. And friends, I think if you and I could just learn to trust God with those impossible situations, the picture I saw was of you and I in some situations just laughing and saying, God, this is so impossible. I'm just going to laugh. It seems so bizarre. And yet trust that God would be at work in those circumstances. Maybe it's your health. God, it seems impossible. There's no way forward here. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a a future spouse. Maybe it's your finances. I encourage you to have that laugh of faith. God, this is so ridiculous. I'm crying and then I'm laughing because there's nothing else I can do but trust and believe that God would make a way. Faith gives birth to new life in that atmosphere of trust. Abraham and Sarah understood that life on earth was not the end. We read in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 to 16, All these people died believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads on the earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they call their own. If they had belonged to the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place a heavenly homeland. 
That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared a city for them. Friends, faith leaves an eternal legacy. We often don't know what's on the other side of our obedience. Sarah didn't know that by being obedient to what God had asked her to, believing for an impossible situation, a laugh of faith because it looked so ridiculous, that from the lineage that followed Isaac would come Jesus, who would be the saviour of all humanity. Friends, you and I don't know what's on the other side of our obedience. Can I encourage you this morning that faith leaves an eternal legacy in spite of our mistakes? In my word, Abraham and Sarah certainly made most of them. Actually, when I look at it, Abraham made most of the mistakes. Does that resonate with anyone in the room? (laughs) I heard an amen from my wife, Gillian, which is not an encouraging thing, but it's probably true, to be fair. You know, Abraham decides to have sex with one of um, Sarah's um, household to, to help God's promise along a bit. That's not a great idea, is it? Abraham passes his wife off as his sister, as I already mentioned, to the pharaoh of Egypt and then to King Abimelech and puts Sarah's life in danger, not once but twice. Not great thinking, Abraham. But the thing is, in spite of our mistakes, God can still use us to bring about an eternal legacy. And so I encourage you as I encourage myself with that. If you're struggling to make sense of life, and I just felt for some people this morning that you're just feeling really broken. And can I encourage you that in the midst of your brokenness, you know, those are sometimes the times when God can use us the most. And I can't promise you a quick fix that suddenly it'll all be okay, because it probably won't. But today I'm really believing that in the midst of your brokenness, whether you're in the room, whether you're online, that you can take another step on that journey to wholeness today. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19, we see that Abraham's faith was tested. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though, Abraham, sorry, even though God told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God would be able to bring him back again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. And the forethought this morning is that faith grows in the midst of broken dreams. That passage of scripture is one of the hardest passages to understand. When I get to heaven, I've got a list of some of the hardest passages to understand, and that'll be at the top of my list. You know, why did you put that in? The only problem I'm having with that is I think when I get to heaven... I'll be so overcome by the glory of God, I'll be flat on my face and I'll forget all the questions. (laughs) But I like the thought anyway that if I could, if I did remember them, if it seemed important, that would be amongst them. You know, would God really require Abraham to sacrifice his only son Isaac in the way that the ancient Near Eastern gods required the firstborn of every family to be sacrificed? But in the midst of broken dreams, God is able to do something. And I think what God is speaking about here is our trust in the dream or is our trust in the creator of the dream. And I want to encourage you this morning. You know, there are times in my life when my dreams were broken. I remember when I was running the family orchard and um, I thought I was going to be there for six months and I was there for six years. And uh, when the orchard got sold, I got sold with the orchard to do another year. So that was year seven. And I kind of felt my dreams were broken, but 
God can often use broken dreams if your faith is not in the dream, but your faith is in the creator of the dream. And I encourage you this morning, if, if you're facing broken dreams, trust the creator of the dreams that he can still put the pieces together and make something beautiful and meaningful of your life. How do you handle those times when you're disappointed with God? Life doesn't turn out as we hoped it would or even believe that God promised it would. Some of you know Gillian and my testimony that we both went through broken engagements and yet our testimony is that God, that God was able to use that to make something beautiful out of our lives. I mentioned at the nine o'clock and when I first met Gillian, I thought, I thought women caused too much pain, took too much time and cost too much money. And um, I invited Gillian home to the family orchard. You've probably heard the story before and showed her around. And uh, my mum said, would you like Gillian to stay for dinner? I said, certainly not, mum. We don't want this girl getting the wrong idea. <laughs> so off she went without any dinner. And then just for good measure, I sat her down on the couch and said, now don't you think there'll be any chance of any sort of romantic relationship? So pretty good, eh? <laughs> Gillian just went home and prayed and the rest is history. So uh, perhaps there are a few more women who can identify with having, I don't know, been on the journey with some men who were not, didn't have it so much together like me. But you know, God can use our broken dreams. God can use our mistakes. I think the thing I really felt to emphasize this is, is that God can use our brokenness. You know, it doesn't mean that we never, having faith doesn't mean we never make mistakes. I've made lots of mistakes. I'm sure I'll continue to make lots of mistakes. But having faith means that we trust God in the midst of our mistakes. We humble ourselves and we say, sorry God, I missed the mark again. And we make that conscious step that Chris was talking about of stepping from the old covenant into the new covenant. We know we're forgiven. Where we know the promises of God are yes and amen. And we can trust God for the future. So where do we go to from here? Can I encourage you to read Chris's book? It's a fantastic book. I've read it. I really commend it to you. It's available in hard copy today. It's available for those of you watching online. You'll get it from the website. There's a digital copy there. And why don't some of you get together and go to the church website and click Next Steps and maybe get an Activate group together to study the book. You could take four weeks and just unpack the principles that are there. That would be one suggestion. As a horticulturalist, um, I used to be an orchardist in my former life. I still enjoy growing anything that you can eat. And uh, one of my dreams in life, I don't know if I ever achieved this dream, is I want, to roast enough I want to grow enough coffee beans to then to be able to roast to make myself one cup of coffee. So that's my current plan. So the coffee bushes are about this big. I've got the coffee roaster, got the espresso machine, just needing a year or two to make it a reality. So I'll keep you posted. The first thought is you have to sow the seed that you have. You know, faith as small as a grain of mustard seed is enough to move a mountain. And it's not how big the seed is, it's what is in the seed. It's not how big your faith is, it's, it's the fact that you're created in the image of God. You know, you're created, there's life and death in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18.21. It's the DNA of the seed that's important. That's its potential. That's how it will grow. It's the DNA of the faith. You're created in the image of God. You have been given authority. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. So as you sow the seed, the faith that you have, no matter how small the seed may seem, Holy Spirit can cause that seed to grow and to be enough to accomplish God's plans and purposes for your life. 
So sow the seed that you have. Don't look to the person in the left or the right of you. Maybe you see yourself as being a cucumber, I don't know. You look at the person to your left of you and they're a tomato perhaps. Look into the person to the right of you and they're a capsicum. You know, don't want to be a tomato or a capsicum. Just be happy to be a cucumber. Sow the seed that you have and see what God will do with that. Second thought is sow into good soil. The good soil is often the most forgotten soil in the garden. I shared at the 9am gathering my favourite patch of soil. If I could just use that only soil in the garden, I'd use that over and over again, was an old compost heap covered in weeds. And eventually we unearthed that. And we, First of all, we sowed pumpkins, I think, and they were amazing pumpkins. And then we sowed kumara there, and they were amazing kumara. And now we've got blueberries there for Pastor Ray, and they'll be amazing blueberries. But it just looked like a wilderness. And I really felt God saying, sow into good soil, but to do that you need to remove the weeds. Now what do the weeds look like in our lives? Because they're not deadly nightshade, are they? And um, I don't know, docks and whatever else you might find <laughs> in, a, in a compost heap. And as I thought about that, I thought that weeds in our lives are actually the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. And if there are weeds that God is wanting to remove in your life, there might be just one of these that God highlights. So instead of love, hatred, instead of joy, despair, instead of peace, turmoil, instead of patience, hurry, instead of goodness, selfishness, instead of faithfulness, lack of trust, instead of gentleness, harshness, and instead of self-control, striving. Perhaps sometime just have a look over those and see if the Holy Spirit highlights one of those. As I kind of think through those at the moment, I think... What would, that, what would apply to me in that, in that area? And I think for me, just that whole area of not being in a hurry, having patience. One of the things I've had to learn um, in our touch of paradise out there at Eureka, which we thought was only in California, but it's here in the Waikato, is to take my watch off and leave it in the garage, take my phone out of the pocket, leave it in the garage, and to go walkabouts in the orchard for a couple of hours and do whatever needs to be done. Disconnected from the world, people. Can you even do that? Imagine unplugged from your device for two hours. And it's so refreshing. I find God speaks to me. I find ideas come, creative ideas, so refreshing. And so for me, that's something that Holy Spirit's talking to me. Michael, don't let hurriedness, don't let it be a weed that robs you of my productivity for your life. What does that look like for you? So into good soil. And lastly this morning, water the seed. Those kahikatea, those white pine seeds that have been dormant in the ground for 2,000 years before Jenny and Andrew created the right conditions for seed to germinate. So what are the right conditions in your life, in my life, for those seeds to germinate? You know, we talk in horticulture about it's better to water a little bit and, than, and often rather than if you've sown a tray of seeds, pouring the whole watering can over it and then leaving and think, job's done for another week. I'll come back next week and give it another watering can. Probably not going to get too many seeds germinating. So what does it look like, little and often? Faith comes through hearing God's voice. What does it look like for you and me to read a verse in the Bible and to think about it? Coming together and fellowshipping with other believers like we are today. What's Holy Spirit whispering into your spirit and my spirit? Opening our, up our lives to those ministry gifts, ascension ministry gifts of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers so that we can be equipped for works of service. What does that look like for us?